Hey there everyone, it's uh, David Barnett from davidcbarnett.com, the blog site, YouTube channel, iTunes podcast, where I talk about buying and selling and managing small and medium-sized enterprises, as well as, you know, any questions that people send in about, you know, entrepreneur, personal wealth issues, etc. Um, today I was sent an article uh, by one of my subscribers and uh, they just wanted some comments about some of the things that are in the article because... Uh, one in particular is uh, seems to conflict with something that I keep saying over and over again about confidentiality when someone is trying to sell a business. And so I just wanted to put the article up and review it with you and so that we can go through and I can give my comments on some of the different things that this author has put in here. And so this is five mistakes to avoid when selling your small business and it's written by Debbie Allen. And what's important to note about this particular article is that Debbie is writing about retailers says right here. So she's talking about small local retail businesses. Uh, and that's that's one of the keys that we have to focus on. So one of the first things she talks about is a, a mistake for sellers is not planning ahead or waiting too long to sell. And this is one thing that, that I've constantly repeated to people is that when you run your small business, you need to be running it with an idea of how you're going to get out one day. So if you think that one day you're going to be selling the business it's important because it, it guides you in your decision-making from day to day, whether you're going to purchase or lease equipment, how you're going to finance things. Um, when you finance something, you're going to be asking the question, is this loan assumable, for example, because you're always thinking about how you're going to be getting out of the business. And for example, built-in assumable debt is a way for a buyer to finance the acquisition. So yes, you need to be planning ahead. You need to be thinking about what you're going to do with the business when you're done with it. The waiting too long to sell part, you really have to think about this because what I saw so often when I was a business broker and, and what I see today when I work as a, a consultant to help people sell their businesses is people who have a personal issue that comes up in their life and they then need to get rid of the business. They need to sell it. So divorce, poor health, the need to relocate, uh, burnout, etc. And if they haven't been running their business in a way that allows them to sell it easily, what ends up happening is they then have to prepare to sell the business while they're dealing with the personal issue. And so it leads to all of this additional stress and conflict on their life. And the selling of the business becomes a more prolonged and stretched out thing. And the personal issue that is creating stress in their life that is causing conflict, etc will start to have a negative impact on their actions in the business and their attitude and their behavior, which of course will cause sales to decline and profits to fall. So the actual value of the business starts to decline. And so if you've always been running your business in a way that, that preserves it as an asset with the idea that it might be sold one day and you're always ready to sell, when that personal issue comes along, you can act immediately and realize that time is the most critical thing. Finding the buyer and selling it quickly so that you don't have an opportunity to actually ruin the thing that you're trying to sell. So, so these are mistake number one, perfectly great, I agree with it 100%. Mistake number two, not finding the right person to represent your business. And in the article she talks about business brokers and she talks about how she met one broker, signed up with them, and then nothing happened. And this is so important if you're going to sell your business and you're going to use a business broker. Um, that's why in the first half of my 2016 book, How to Sell My Own Business, the first half of the book is entirely about how to choose the right broker.
because there are so many people drawn into the business brokerage industry by the commission rates and not all of them are qualified, competent brokers. And so it's important when you're going to sell your business that you find the right person to work with if you're going to go down the road with a broker or that you know what you're doing if you're going to do it on your own, which is, of course, is what the second half of how to sell my own business is about, is about how to do it on your own. And that's available on Amazon. So um, all kinds of mistakes that I've reiterated in past videos about what can happen when you get into bed with the wrong kind of intermediary. Mistake number three, thinking you don't have to promote or market yourself. Now here's the big divergence between what I've always said and what this author is saying. And in the article, she says that she had to drum up her own buzz about the business being for sale. And she actually did it through her sales associates, through her employees that were, you know, retail employees on the floor. And she created an, an incentive program for them to spread the word and find the right buyer. Now, here is why this it's important to note the difference for the type of businesses that the author is talking about. She is talking about retail businesses. Now, in a retail business, a person walks in, they pick out something that they wish to buy, they pay for that item, they leave with the item. So there's an equal value of exchange in the present moment, okay? And if you buy something that is more durable, a television or a piece of electronics or what have you, and there's a warranty in place, the warranty comes from the manufacturer, not from the retail shop. So again, there's no future risk because when people find out that a business is for sale, one of the first things that they, that they think of is that the business is somehow failing. And so if you have any kind of business where you have a long-term relationship with your clients, and your clients will depend on a future delivery of service or they'll depend on you providing a warranty. So for example, if you're a service business, like you build swimming pools or you install roof shingles or something, the warranty on the shingles comes from the manufacturer, but the warranty on their installation, you know, who do I call when there's a leak around the chimney? That comes from the installer. And so if people don't think that you're going to be around because they heard that your business is for sale, and you offer some kind of product or service with a future deliverable risk, then public knowledge that the business is for sale is actually going to ruin the business. It's not quite the same case in retail because the same future delivery risk doesn't exist. I often in my, my sessions use the example of a flower shop and because a flower shop does two kinds of business, they do the retail trade. So if you walk in, there could be a big sign saying this business is for sale, but if you're just there to buy a bouquet of flowers, it's not going to affect you because you hand over your money, you get your flowers. There's now no risk to you in the future. But the other kind of business that a flower shop does, for example, would be decorating for a wedding. So if I was planning a wedding that was going to happen a year from now, and I wanted to arrange for a florist to do decorations for the wedding, I would likely not engage a flower shop that was advertising itself for sale. Because my concerns would be, number one, what if it's actually going out of business and closing? Number two, if it does sell, what if the new owner isn't as good as the present owner? And number three, if it actually just ends up closing between now and my wedding, uh, will I be able to find another florist last minute who will be able to take over and, and help me out? So that flower shop, if they were advertising themselves publicly for sale or if word was spreading, through the grapevine that it was up for sale, they would have, they would suffer a drop in future deliverable sales. 
and I've seen it over and over and over again. It's one of the biggest reasons why business brokers and and why I advise people that if you're going to sell a business, you have to keep it confidential. In this article, she's talking about how she created a buzz, but she's talking specifically about retail businesses, and that's the the big difference that I want to draw your attention to. Number four, mistake number four, she says, is asking too much or too, too little for the business. And I agree 100% with the author on this because I've seen it again too many times. People ask too much for a business, and what they end up doing is they scare away that reasonable buyer who is the buyer we want to find most of all. The reasonable buyer is someone who is looking for a business like yours. They have money in the bank. They have good credit. They've got a retirement account they can draw down to make part of the down payment. And because they're out there looking for a business, they have an idea what their business of interest will be valued like. So they know what it should be worth as a percentage of sales or as a multiple of cash flow. And when they see your business being advertised for far more than that, they're going to make the assumption that you don't know what you're doing and you're not reasonable and it's not going to be worth their time to deal with you. And so that's why it's so critical when you're selling a business that it has to be priced right. That's why in my own consulting practice, step two of the process with sellers is doing the evaluation so that you get a realistic understanding of what the business is worth and you ask the right price. And then her reference too to asking too little, um, you know, she talks about how many retail businesses only go up for sale when they're failing and that asking too little can actually be an indicator that there's something wrong with the business. Again, planning and having proper advice along the path is what is what's key and proper advice from the right person. Mistake number five, selling to the wrong person. And what she mentions here is that if you sell a business entirely on vendor financing with payments over time and you choose the wrong buyer, that if the buyer fails, then you can end up with nothing. And so what I wanted to, to do here is bring back the a couple of main key points that I reiterate in a lot of my presentations and videos. Number one, if you keep good books and you have a profitable business, it's going to be easier for the buyer to obtain some degree of financing to buy the business. And so the better you maintain the business as far as record keeping and systems and books, etc., and the more profitable it is, the less likely you are going to have to finance the whole thing. There will be some degree of down payment required on, on the part of the buyer, and they will have the means to make it either through savings or from borrowing from a bank, etc. And so the vendor financing, though, is still going to be required to a certain degree. And when you make a vendor financing note, you are becoming a creditor and you have to engage in a lot of the same kind of thinking that any other lender would make. So you would want to have, um, you know, for example, information. So one of the common uh, terms of vendor financing that, that I saw when I was doing deals was, for example, regular financial statements or reporting from the buyer to the seller so that the seller had the opportunity to keep an eye on what was going on in the business. Because the seller is the one with the experience, but the buyer has a vested interest in success as well. They've, they've got skin in the game. They put money into it. And one of the great things about a vendor note is it gets both the buyer and the seller working towards the same goal, which is the success of the buyer so that the seller achieves success in getting all of their money from the vendor financing note. And when the seller has access to the information and sees what's going on in the business, 
they can raise the flag earlier. So um, in one story that I often tell about a restaurant that changed hands um, is that the seller was receiving the monthly reports and was able to call the buyer and say, look, I've noticed your cost of goods is creeping up. Whenever it got this high with me, it meant that someone was stealing. And so then the buyer becomes alerted to the problem that they've got likely a problem in their employee, amongst their employees, and they're able to rectify that and find the problem. If the seller hadn't identified that problem, it might have taken several more months for the buyer to figure out that something was wrong. And by that time, of course, the business becomes weaker and the chance of failure increases. So overall, I think it's a really great article. And um, I just wanted to highlight that one big thing which was about confidentiality and how in the, the subject of this article, retail businesses, confidentiality might not be as important, but I always caution everyone, if people find out a business is for sale, the business can be damaged. And if you want to learn more, of course, go over to my website, How to Sell My Own Business, or pick up a copy of my book, How to Sell My Own Business, which is available from Amazon. And uh, head over to davidcbarnett.com to sign up for my email list and you'll get an email every week with a video just like this one. And with that, I'll say thank you and we'll see you next time.